sports. It really is him with the war hero sound. No, 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 no way. I don't think so, pal. That's not how this works. Wrestling fans, are you For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there, too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Guys, welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio here today for March 8th, 2018. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. We got WrestleMania coming up in just 31 more days, which is crazy to think about. It's right around the corner, coming up quickly. Uh, we do have Fastlane first on Sunday night, the latest SmackDown Live exclusive event. An end of an era of sorts, as it was announced a few weeks ago, about a month or so ago. WWE will be ceasing the exclusive events, the brand exclusive events coming out of WrestleMania 34, so Backlash, Money in the Bank, you know, all those pay-per-views coming up later on this year will all feature Raw and SmackDown superstars, and it might be a good thing, I mean, given the way that SmackDown has been booked recently, with how just dreadfully lifeless these shows have been, and Fastlane on paper, not the most star-studded stack show, I mean, it still could be good if you lower your expectations enough to the point where it has no choice to be good, but... Then again, I thought the same thing about Battleground about a year ago from SmackDown, and that was one of the worst pay-per-views I've ever seen. So I'm hoping Fastlane is a decent show. Is, is a decent show, but as of right now, I'm not too hopeful. We will soon see. Uh, speaking of which, though, we have another pay-per-view coming up this weekend, not from WWE, but from Ring of Honor on Friday night, their 16th anniversary show. That looks to be pretty good. They got Cody and Matt Taven, the Young Bucks and Adam Page taking on SoCal Uncensored. You got Dalton Castle versus Jay Lethal in the main event for the Ring of Honor World Championship. All things considered, that's a pretty good show. So I'm looking forward to that on Honor Club on Friday night. Uh, you can check it out for free through the Honor Club uh, VIP app, website, whatever. If you just sign up as a VIP, you get the pay-per-view free. I think you get half off if you have the other discounted rate, whatever it is. It should be a great show nonetheless regardless of how you watch it. So we got plenty to talk about here on WrestleRant Radio today. Previews and predictions for Ring of Honor's aforementioned 16th anniversary show coming up on Friday night, tomorrow night, as well as Fastlane on Sunday from WWE, Raw, SmackDown, and everything else going on in the world of wrestling right now. But first and foremost, if you guys haven't already checked that out, please do so. WrestleRant Radio on iTunes. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on Apple Podcast. Hit that subscribe button, rate, review. You get every episode in the show's near five-year history. And, of course, all the new episodes on Thursdays. It's a steal of a deal. Of course, obviously, completely free of charge. So what are you waiting for? You can check out the show as well on NextDayWrestling.net. Another, you know, decent way to check out the show. But it is a lot easier and more convenient to simply subscribe to the show on iTunes. The episode goes right to your mobile app. Um, immediately as soon as it's uploaded on Thursday. So check that out if you haven't already. So I did mention last week, the start of last week's show, I was going to be attending Northeast Wrestling in Waterbury, Connecticut, their WrestleFest event. 
basically their WrestleMania, which I'd never been to. In the nine years that I've been an NEW fan, I'd never been to a WrestleFest show. And I do not regret going on Friday. That was a great show, despite the uh, awful weather that we experienced. That was out without power for most of Friday. Thankfully, it was at the show. Um, but it was a really fun time. Rey Mysterio was there, who I'll get to in a second. Emma, the Young Bucks, Marty Skrull, all of whom I got to meet. Joey Mercury, Lanny Poffo, Flip Gordon, The Kingdom, Brian Anthony, and NEW Regular. A lot of great talent. Got to mix it up and uh, talk to a lot of them. So, great time there on Friday night. Uh, but speaking of Rey Mysterio, some news coming out of that event. I got to see Northeast Wrestling's name in the, in the headlines of any wrestling websites on Sunday. For all the wrong reasons, unfortunately. Uh, during the main event of the show, it was Rey Mysterio and Flip Gordon, the current Northeast Wrestling Heavyweight Champion, taking on Joey Mercury and Caleb Conley from Impact. Uh, decent, fun tag team match. The crowd was into it. The crowd was super into Rey Mysterio, and it was great to see him after I had seen him return live at the Royal Rumble about a, a few months ago in late January, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but anyway, during the tag team match, during the tag team main event on the show, Rey Mysterio reportedly injured himself, uh, suffered a, a torn bicep, which would make a lot of sense as I was sitting next to the ILA um, during the entire during the course of the whole show. And as he was leaving the ring after the match, he finished the match. Reportedly, he wanted to end it earlier. Uh, he wanted to end it early after Joey Mercury found out he was hurt. Rey Mysterio said, "No way, we'll finish the match." And he ended up picking up the win for his team too, which was uh, pretty impressive considering how hurt he must have been. So. He uh, hugged it out with Flip, and then he just walked briskly to the back uh, with the help of Matt Taven and a few others. So it looked like he was kind of guarding himself. Matt Taven was kind of guarding Rey Mysterio from the fans at ringside. So it looked like Ray Ray was hurt, which sucks to hear, considering all the current talks of him going back to WWE soon. He's got the match with uh, Jushin Thunder Liger coming up, I believe, on March 25th at uh, the New Japan show. So... As, excuse me, as of right now, that's still scheduled. That's still going on um, as planned. Nothing has changed there. I had read on Wednesday uh, with Rey Mysterio that he went in for surgery or went in for an injury update on Monday or Tuesday. Um, apparently, it's not as bad as was initially believed, which is good to hear. Um, again, I'm not sure where this puts him in regards to that match with Liger in a few weeks. But WWE talks are resuming. They're still going on. I'm sure he will be back at some point. We talked at length here in the show last week in regards to the um, dream match. Not really dream match, but the rumored WrestleMania match with John Cena. I didn't think it was happening. I would much rather take Mysterio and Cena over Cena and Undertaker, but that's just me personally. Um, that match still appears to be planned. John Cena and Undertaker. I'll talk about John, uh, John Cena soon enough in the Raw review. But uh, Rey Mysterio and Cena was likely just a red herring. I doubt he'll be back for WrestleMania, at least for that match with John Cena. I'm not talking about injury-wise. I'm just talking about period. I just do not think he'll be back in time for that show. I guess he could return at the show itself, but I think it's much more likely we see him return on the Raw or SmackDown or even 205 Live after WrestleMania, which would make for a great reaction in New Orleans. Um, But yeah, that's the update on Rey Mysterio. Speaking of fellow Latino stars... Alberto Del Rio. We're talking about stars returning to WWE here. There's been a lot of rumors running rampant this past week in regards to Del Rio, Alberto El Patron, whatever you want to call him, the former Impact World Champion and multi-time WWE World Champion, returning to WWE. Um, so apparently he was at WWE headquarters last week to film something for a for an upcoming Rey Mysterio documentary, DVD release, whatever, from WWE. 
So while there, he uh, reportedly talked to Vince, and who has obviously always been high on Del Rio, dating back to his initial push back in 2010. I remember reading like when he first debuted on SmackDown in August of 2010 that it was accidentally leaked in Del Rio's WWE.com bio that Del Rio was being primed to be the next Eddie Guerrero and that you should, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but you should not be surprised to see him in the main event picture before long, which was exactly what happened. He went on to win the Royal Rumble uh, just a mere few months later, the largest Royal Rumble in history, I guess, until the 50-man Rumble coming up soon in Saudi Arabia, but nonetheless, um, obviously became world champion soon after that. So Del Rio was a big deal in WWE, um, and it's always been very obvious that Vince has been high on him, and for good reason. I mean, at face value, the guy looks like a star. Um, he's got a great look. In the ring, he's also very, very good. I'm not denying that for a second. To me, though, with Del Rio, the guy's damaged goods. He is toxic now in the world of wrestling. A little less now than he was about a year ago, but still, I would not touch Del Rio with a 10-foot pole, let alone let him return to WWE, in my personal opinion. Now, I went on a mini rant about this on Twitter when I heard the news on Tuesday, but why they would bother bringing back Del Rio when they have a slew of Latino stars on their current roster who have so much more untapped potential than Del Rio does is beyond me. Specifically, Andrade Cien Alamos. Andrade Cien Alamos is what they hoped Del Rio would be, and currently is. I mean, granted, he's not the WWE champion, but it's apparent officials are high on him on the main roster because if they weren't, they would not have included him in that Royal Rumble match a few months ago and given him as long of a run as he had. He was in that match for like close to a half hour, longer than almost anyone else in that Rumble match back in January. So he will be in the main roster at some point. He's the current NXT champion. He could be called up as soon as after WrestleMania. Um, I assume it will be a little longer than that, maybe until SummerSlam time, after we take over Brooklyn 4, who knows. But I do assume he will be in the main roster at some point later on in 2018. Point being, they have Almas. Why bring back Del Rio? Del Rio offers absolutely nothing. I know the guy seven, six years ago was around, you know, was one of the better in-ring workers in the company. But at this point, we have so many great wrestlers, what purpose does he really serve? On the mic, his promos are almost as repetitive as Bray Wyatt's. As a character, he kind of peaked around 2010-2011. Honestly, what is the point in bringing back Alberto Del Rio? Not to mention the mainstream nightmare that this guy is. I mean, all the terrible publicity this guy attracted in 2017 was off the charts. Between the stuff with Paige, talking about WWE, not even talking, bad-mouthing WWE, the company he wants to return to while he was Impact World Champion and all this other stuff on Periscope, on Periscope, it's, it's all well-documented. It's all online. It hasn't been deleted. It's all up there. On Twitter, he would bash WWE. He talked shit about Triple H. And apparently, he apologized recently because he wants back in at WWE. Of course he does. They're probably going to pay him way more than Impact currently is. And speaking of which, his Impact deal is set to expire, I believe, in April next month. It was around this time last year. I know he came to the company and immediately won their... Uh, world Championship, which did not surprise me at all, uh, which I think was the plan or had been rumored like years ago when Del Rio was first let go by WWE in 2014. It eventually happened in 2017, um, and it just was, you know, a complete like head-scratching move because why would you make Del Rio the face of your company in 2017, 2018? And he's been kind of toned down a little bit. And again, the guy's still a good worker. I'm not denying that. But in terms of the headaches that this guy causes to the companies that he works for, no-showing events, bad-mouthing the company, 
and just the guy is an absolute nightmare seemingly to deal with. In addition to the fact that, I mean, it would be one thing if he was like an AJ Styles level of excitement performer and he was great in the ring. And again, he is very good in the ring, but he's no AJ Styles. He's not even a Braun Strowman in terms of being a special attraction. And what boggles my mind more than anything is that it's not like he got cut loose a couple years ago and he never he never fulfilled that full potential in being a top guy. He was a four-time world champion during his original run in the company. This is not a Drew McIntyre situation where he was cut loose, they didn't want him anymore. The first run came to an end after an incident backstage where he slapped the social media guy, or whatever the hell it was. And a lot of people believed he was let go unjustly, and that he should be brought back. And obviously he was at some point, um, about a little over a year later. But not because he was owed a comeback by the company. It was because he had made a name for himself on the independent scene in Lucha Underground and Ring of Honor. The guy was having a great indie run back in 2015. And somehow or another, he became a hot commodity again. And then when he re-signed with WWE in 2015, I said then, and I'll say it now, it was a complete waste. The guy should have just stayed right where he was at. Now, I'm not saying financially it was a bad move. I'm sure he was making way more money with WWE than he was ever going to with Ring of Honor or Impact at that point or Lucha Underground. But creatively, apparently he had issues in Lucha because he wasn't where he wanted to be on the card. And of course, he beat Cena on night one when he came back to WWE in October of 2015 for the uh, United States Championship and was, you know, you would you would think was being positioned as the top guy. Wasn't the case at all. He was dropped down to a lower mid-card spot soon thereafter, having two very forgettable reigns as United States Champion, being placed in the League of Nations, that, you know, the, the Jobbers to the Stars faction essentially is what that was, the Job Squad 2.0, then doing nothing. The remainder of his run in the company before he, you know, had his contract, he was let go of his contract, let, you know, let out of his contract early in the um, fall of 2016. Because the guy wasn't doing anything on TV. So why bother keeping him around? He was suspended. Like, who cares? What's the worth in keeping this guy around? They brought him back. They had their chances to push him, not only during his second reign, but in this first reign too, his first run with the company. You know, he had his various shots to get over. Whether it was the company's fault or his fault, I think it might have been more of a combination of both. The the second time around, it was more of the company's fault. Like, they they had their chance to capitalize off this guy's momentum from the indie scene and from his hot return to the company at Hell in a Cell. But they did nothing with him, literally immediately placing him with Zeb Coulter, which was a an absolutely terrible move, because they had no chemistry, it died a death, and had no real payoff. It was a complete waste of time, and people went back to not caring about Alberto Del Rio. And again, since he left then, he could have gone back to becoming a hot commodity and on the indie scene and Lucha and Ring of Honor. No, he went to Impact. And he would work AAA, and he would no-show their shows, he no-showed... WCPW, he went to a bunch of Northeast Wrestling shows, which he also no-showed on the last show of theirs that he went to, I believe was a show that I went to in June, where I got me where I got to meet Pentagon Jr., which was great, but Del Rio was there too with Paige, they didn't show up until halfway th- through the show, wasn't even there during the uh, pre-show autograph signing, he was late, and then after his match, he put over like one of the jobbers of the promotion, like on a really bizarre promo, a really weird thing, he was you know, praising the the promoter, Mike Lombardi, and all this other weird shit. And um, that was the last we saw of Del Rio in Northeast Wrestling. So he has not been brought back since, and I'm very happy about that because the guy's a complete waste. I know he's a former multi-time WWE champion, now a former Impact World Champion, a huge legend in Mexico, but the guy's a headache to deal with. 
an absolute nightmare. Why would you want him back in this company? I feel like Vince is the only supporter of this guy. Why bother bringing him back? He has absolutely no value in 2018, especially to WWE, and especially when you consider they already have Andrade Cien Alamos. Complete waste. Don't bring him back. Uh, speaking of injuries, we talked about Rey Mysterio earlier. Bobby Fish was reportedly hurt over the weekend at an NXT Live event. So, um, as they record this, I have no idea what this means for the feature of the NXT Tag Team Title Picture. They did tape on Wednesday night at Full Sail. I, I, not not at Full Sail, the um, center stage, I believe, in Atlanta. The same place where they've been taping TV for the last number of months now. Uh, they were back there on Wednesday. I don't read spoilers. I don't know what's going on with Bobby Fish. Um, I had heard it might be worse than expected. The exact opposite of Ray Ray, which is absolutely awful to hear. So hopefully he's okay and he will be cleared to compete in time for the TakeOver show over WrestleMania weekend. Um, him, O'Reilly, and Cole have been killing it in Undisputed Era, so it would suck to see him have to be sidelined right before one of their biggest shows of the year. Um, also announced this past week, the latest inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame, none other than Hillbilly Jim. Uh, the news was broken by Bleacher Report, my boys over there at BR. Um, specifically, shout out to Ryan Dilber. I had him here on the show before a number of years ago. Great guy. Very happy to see him break the news for uh, Bleach Report for the WWE Hall of Fame. But yeah, Hellbilly Jim always shocked me that he was the only member of that Legends House show. You know, on the WWE Network a number of years ago. The only member of that, like, eight-man crew that had not yet been inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. It blew my mind. They got one of the nicest guys you will ever meet. Um, he came off as a gem on that show. Obviously worthy of the induction. Um, so great to see that also. And finally here, before we move into some predictions for Ring of Honor's 16th anniversary show and and so forth and so on from WWE, um, the Young Bucks, Cody, the Bullet Club have announced that their all-in show on September 1st will be held at the Sears Center Arena in Chicago. So it was kind of expected to be in that area. Some people thought it would be in Chicago, might be in Florida or Long Beach, uh, Los Angeles or... I didn't think it'd be here in New York or here in the Northeast in New York or wherever. I kind of figured it would be in that area. I know the Bullet Club has a very rich history um, in Chicago, so it makes sense for them to go there. Already sparking rumors of a CM Punk return. And I know CM Punk had teased on Twitter a number of days ago that he was all in, but he was only really all in on the Cubs or whatever it was, so kind of a tease in the Twitter community. He doesn't really interact with any wrestlers anymore on Twitter, and he hasn't for many, many years. That's nothing new. Um, but he will, once in a while, throw a shout-out to the Young Bucks. So there is that. I, I doubt that's the plan to bring in Punk. I know he's, I think, currently slated to fight again at UFC 230-something, whatever it might be, in June in Chicago, in his hometown of Chicago. So... Um, I don't know if his contract in UFC would even allow that for him to appear at the All-In Show. I wouldn't think he would wrestle. Um, having Punk in the Bullet Club would be absolutely unreal. If you wanted to throw a middle finger towards WWE, having him join the Bullet Club would be absolutely unreal. Um, but even to make an appearance on that show, they want to sell 10,000 tickets. Putting CM Punk on that show in Chicago would absolutely sell those tickets. CM Punk's, what would it be, you know, what would be his first wrestling event since he left the WWE over four years ago. In Chicago, with the Bullet Club, already one of the hottest acts in all of wrestling, take my money. Take all my life savings. That would be incredible. But, again, I don't expect that to happen, but it is something to worth pondering about <clears throat> in the months, you know, leading up to this all-in show, which it looks like it's going to be absolutely stacked. 
Um, but speaking of the Bullet Club, they will be the Ring of Honor 16th anniversary show this coming Friday in Las Vegas. Looks to be a pretty good show on paper. Flip Gordon, he will not be all in. He is all out after losing to Cody Rhodes at Manhattan Mayhem last Saturday, which I did watch on the Honor Club uh, site, service, whatever. Uh, very good match. Gordon and Cody had a great match on that show, though Gordon will not be a part of the event, unfortunately. Though he will be a part of the Ring of Honor 16th anniversary show against Hamuro Takahashi. Uh, this should be a very fun match. For what reason it's taking place, I have no idea. We have not seen Takahashi in a while. I was thinking that while watching Manhattan Mayhem that we have not seen Takahashi in Ring of Honor in close to a year. So happy to see him back. Uh, he is taking on Gordon here. And I expect uh, between the two, I mean, it really doesn't matter, but I do expect Gordon to go over. In a first-round match, uh, the last remaining first-round match in the Women of Honor Championship Tournament, Sumi Sakai is taking on Hana Kimura. Uh, I think Sumi Sakai is the Ring of Honor regular. I don't think Kimura is. So I'm going to stick with Sakai winning here. Um, it is cool to see the women getting more televised matches on these shows, on the pay-per-views, because before recently, they really weren't. Ring of Honor had its Women of Honor, you know, uh, division, but they were never featured on TV. They would have rare instances, like once or twice a year, where they would devote an entire episode to the women. But beyond that, you would have to watch them on YouTube or whatever. They were poorly promoted. They didn't have a championship. But now that they do, and Tennille Dashwood, the former Emma, is part of the division, uh, that's probably why they've been more prominently featured recently. But it is cool to see them making the show. I do expect uh, Sakai to go over here and advance in the tourney. The Young Bucks, teaming with fellow Bullet Club member Adam Page, the Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team Champions, taking on SoCal Uncensored's uh, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky, and I, what I believe is a Las Vegas street fight. Now, I was going down the Ring of Honor website, ROHWrestling.com, the lineup for the show. It didn't say there was a stip for this match, but I vaguely remember them saying at one point this will be a street fight, so... And I don't think the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles, the uh, six-man tag team titles are on the line here. So I expect the Bullet Club to go over. I guess they could have SoCal go over and earn themselves another shot at the titles. But either way, um, I do expect Bullet Club to go over. But either way, this should be a very fun match. Anything the Bucks are involved in, for me anyway, is very, very fun. The main event for Manhattan Mayhem, a show that was kind of sort of average in the whole, was made must-see for that main event alone with the Bucks... Page and Marty Skrull taking on The Kingdom and Shane Taylor. In a Manhattan Mayhem match. That was a lot of fun, too. In a uh, Ultimate Mayhem match, I should say. That was a lot of a lot of fun on that show. So, um, I expect this to be a blast. And for Bullet Club to go over. Punishment Martinez taking on the villain Marty Skrull. Again, on the website, no stipulation listed. But I vaguely remember at one point them saying on commentary on a recent episode of ROH TV that this would be a Ring of Honor World Championship uh, number one contenders match. So I don't know if it was maybe the winner will possibly earn a future title shot, and you know depending on whether they win or lose. I'm not really sure, but I do expect whoever wins this thing to go on to contend for the championship at some point down the road. And it's got to be Marty Skrull. Uh, Punishment Martinez is a great athlete, very impressive for a guy his size. He's a work in progress as a character. He hasn't really hit his peak yet, but he, he's getting there. He's always having impressive showings on these shows, and I expect this show to be no exception. Uh, but Marty Skrull, I mean, if he's not going to be involved in the TV title picture, he might as well be gunning for the world title, and I think him and Castle are destined to feud at some point in the very near future. So I'm going to say Skrull wins here. Cody taking on Matt Taven. Uh, Matt Taven recently 
stole Cody's uh, ring, the Ring of Honor ring, the Ring of a Ring of Honor, whatever he calls it. So this should be a good match. Cody wins. The Motor City Machine Guns defending the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles against the Briscoes. Uh, the Guns have held the belt since about September, so I'm going to say the Briscoes win it. Uh, the Briscoes have been killing it recently as heels, so it really doesn't matter to me who wins, but like in a good way. Like I'm happy with whoever wins here, but I do think the Briscoes are uh, regaining the gold and becoming uh, yet again Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. And then in the main event, Dalton Castle defending the Ring of Honor World title against Jay Lethal. It should be a very, very good match. Jay Lethal, um, it would be cool to see him win back the belt for a second time. Not many people can say they have done that. But with Dalton Castle, he just won the belt a few months ago at a final battle. I was there. Great moment. So I would not take the belt off of him just yet. I would keep that championship on Castle, and I expect him to retain the title here. I don't know where Silas Young and Kenny, uh, Kenny King fit in all of this. I think they had teased the match on Twitter, a rematch for the Ring of Honor World Television Championship as King had recently beat uh, Young for, to win the belt back. So I would assume a rematch will take place on this show. they got to get the championship defended on this show. Um, as of right now, as I record this, nothing has been officially announced, though I do expect a um, Silas Young-Kenny King rematch to take place on this show and for Kenny King to retain. So that leads me to Monday Night Raw for Monday night before we get into SmackDown and Fastlane predictions. I thought we had a solid show on Monday. Um, overall, you know, I thought it was successful in setting the stage for many matches at WrestleMania. Two new matches added to the card. Both were pretty obvious coming out of last week, but nonetheless. Number one, we got Kurt Angle, the Raw GM, and Ronda Rousey taking on Triple H and Stephanie McMahon in Nick's tag team action at WrestleMania. The angle they executed on the show I thought was great. Uh, Kurt, for once, did not come across as being emasculated by Stephanie. I thought he was awesome here. Ronda Rousey, also a lot better and more comfortable on the mic than she has been in recent weeks. That was also really well done. Triple H and Stephanie playing their roles to perfection, getting their ass kicked by uh, Angle and Rousey, with uh, Kurt Angle eating an ankle lock from Angle, and then Ronda Rousey eating a Samoan drop from Rousey. Or for, uh, Stephanie eating a uh, Samoan drop from Rousey. So, again, uh, really, really good angle to kick off the show. That mixed tag team match is now official, as well as the three-way triple threat match. For the Intercontinental Championship, it will be The Miz defending against Finn Balor and Seth Rollins, which was expected coming out of last week's show. Uh, very happy to hear that. I mean, it's not completely out of the question that more people could be added to that match. You know, i.e. Braun Strowman, Elias, we talked about it, Braun Strowman last week here on the show, where, as of right now, he does not have an obvious opponent for WrestleMania. That does not mean I would put him in the IC title picture. I think he's better than that. If they wanted to do Miz and Strowman one-on-one, that's one thing. But the multi-man garbage has got to stop. It's got to stop. The three-way for the IC title, I think, is enough. You get Balor and Rollins and even Miz in a prominent match in the card. They've proven in the past. They work very well together. They had that terrific triple threat match on Raw last year. They kicked off the most recent men's elimination chamber. I think it's a great match to do at WrestleMania. It gets the IC title properly showcased on the show. A match that you know won't be bumped to the fucking kickoff show. Unlike last year with Rousey, uh, not Rousey, Ambrose and Corbin. So it should be a great match. It could also very go, it could very well go any way. Miz could retain. I could see Rollins winning. I could see Balor winning. So I'm looking forward to that. Strowman and Elias do not need to be a part of this match. Elias does not even need to wrestle on the show. Elias can host the concert or whatever the hell. And it wouldn't even matter. As long as he's part of the show. Strowman, I still say, I know there's rumors of Strowman teaming with Elias. 
to take on the bar at WrestleMania for the Raw Tag Team titles. I feel like it's a waste of Strowman. I know it's a title match, but that's that's a waste. That's an undercard garbage match. And Strowman and Elias, I'm not denying they'd be a very fun tag team. What I am saying is that Strowman should be in a much higher spot on the card. Now, a match one-on-one with Samoa Joe, if he's clear to compete by that point, I think would be great. Joe's in a prominent match. He did not wrestle at WrestleMania last year. He deserves it. Uh, you know, a nice placing on the card this year. I would love to see Strowman and Joe one-on-one at the show, though I don't expect that to happen, and I do think that we're either getting Strowman in the IC title picture or Strowman and Elias one-on-one at the show, which would be, again, in my opinion, a waste. Uh, though Strowman and Elias did have a match on this show, a Symphony of Destruction Falls Count Anywhere match, which sounds completely ridiculous, but they made it work, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, it only went about five minutes, Elias attempted to, you know, make a beeline out of the arena before Braun cut him off, tossed them all around ringside, all over the stage, hitting him with weapons and, more specifically, instruments. First the piano, then the big bass that he had played a few weeks ago on Raw that made him a, uh, you know, a worldwide meme for for a number of days. So we hit him with that to win the match. Uh, So good stuff there. We also had Asuka and Nia Jax engaging in a rematch from Elimination Chamber. Another really good outing from these two. Asuka once again emerging victorious, punching her ticket to WrestleMania. And she still has not said which title she is going for. I would assume it is Charlotte. Otherwise, they would have said Asuka and Alexa Bliss by now. And I think they're waiting until the Fastlane pay-per-view on Sunday to, or next Tuesday, SmackDown, or even next week's TV, Raw, uh, next week's edition, of, next week's edition of Raw, excuse me, to confirm that contest for the card. Um, so, like I said, the revival had gone up against Sheamus and Cesaro on the show. If the revival won, they likely would have earned themselves a Raw tag team title match at WrestleMania. Not to be. No such luck for the revival on this show. It was a good match, two heel tag teams, but a good match. Sheamus and Cesaro merged victorious. So the search continues for um, opponents for the bar at WrestleMania. Now it was reported by PW Insider this past week, that the team to face them in WrestleMania will be a team that is not a team currently. Um, I don't know if they meant on the main roster. I mean, on the main roster, there's nobody. There's no tag teams. They've already beaten Slater and Rhino. They've beaten the Revival. They've beaten the Hardy Boys. I guess it could be the Hardys. I'll talk more about that in a second. But they've beaten, you know, the Shield. They've beaten Titus Worldwide. Sheamus and Cesaro have no real competition, even from SmackDown. They face the Usos. Back at Survivor Series. That's not a real option either. So what do you do? Do you call up the Authors of Pain? Like I had said, I still like I still think that's a decent possibility. And I didn't think it would be this week anyway, as on Wednesday they had their um, Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic first round match against Team 6-1. So they were still appearing on NXT as of this past week. That clears them up, though, for next week's show, if they wanted to put them on Raw as of next week, and that match with Team 6-1 was their swan song on Wednesday night. I mean, I guess they could have them a takeover against, like, War Machine, which would be a blast, but I would call them up ASAP to take on uh, the bar at WrestleMania. And if not them, then who? Like it said, Strowman and Elias, To my, in my opinion, to me, it'd be a waste. Um, but if not them, Woken Matt and Bray Wyatt would be a, a great idea, in my opinion, um, considering that at the Rumble when they teased an alliance... People pop, people pop big for that. People went nuts seeing Woken Matt and, and Bray Wyatt work together. I'd be very happy to see them, um, you know, align in time for WrestleMania and, and set their sights in the Raw Tag Team titles. And if Jeff Hardy's cleared by them, which if, if he's cleared by them, reportedly he is. 
it was uh, the news was broken, I believe by no pun intended. The news uh, broke uh, per PW Insider on Wednesday or Tuesday night rather that Jeff Hardy has since been cleared to compete uh, by his doctors. He is waiting approval by the WWE doctors, but he should be good to go anytime now. So he should be at WrestleMania. They could very well wait until after WrestleMania. We saw the Hardys and the Bar face off last year. Um, I think Woken Matt and Bray teaming up with Brother Nero getting involved and somehow turning it maybe into a six-man tag team match, I'm not sure, would be great. And maybe we see Brother Nero return as soon as the ultimate deletion, which was basically confirmed on Raw this week. Uh, Bray Wyatt beat Rhino, and immediately afterward, Matt Hardy appeared on the screen, challenging Bray Wyatt to one more match, an ultimate deletion match at the Hardy compound, showing clips of Vanguard 1, the dilapidated boat, and now he's teasing on Twitter that we'll see that, that, we'll, that we'll see Queen Rebecca, Queen Rebecca, we'll see King Maxwell, Lord uh, Wolfgang, Senor Benjamin, and maybe a few others, the Lake of Reincarnation. So this could get really, really interesting. I said that on the show here last week that if they want to salvage this feud, this lifeless, lifeless feud, because the matches have really not been that good, they want to save this thing, they'll do it at the Hardy Compound. And it appears that they're headed... Not even appears, they are headed in that direction now. They could do the match, or segment, whatever the hell it's going to be, on um, the skit, angle, whatever, on a Raw before WrestleMania, and then do Woke and Matt and Bray versus the tag team champions on the show. Uh, I mean, I guess they could save Ultimate Deletion for WrestleMania. I wouldn't be opposed to that, but I don't know if WWE would be in favor of that idea of you know airing a 20-minute video on a Titantron in front of 80,000 people and just, you know, have them sit and watch for 20 minutes. I don't know if they would do that. They would do that on Raw. And they did that with Payback for the House of Horrors match. And that didn't technically really go over well with the live crowd, from what I had heard. Uh, the crowd booed it because they weren't there to see it and they had to sit and watch it. I don't know if you would try to do that same thing at WrestleMania. It would not get great results. I would just do it on Raw. I don't see the harm in doing it on Raw. Um, and then that would clear up Matt and Bray to team up at WrestleMania to take on the Raw Tag Team Champions. To me, that's the best option, and that's the best route to take. John Cena and Goldust did square off for the first time ever on Monday Night Raw. Yes, Goldust has been here since 1995. John Cena's been here since 2002, yet they had never faced off one-on-one prior to Monday Night. But we got the match. Didn't really need to happen. Uh, Goldust came out to interrupt John Cena beforehand, talking about his WrestleMania moment. He hasn't been at WrestleMania in many, many years, blah, blah, blah. Um, this was really bizarre. I mean, I guess it's kind of fitting for Goldust, the bizarre one after all is his nickname. But this didn't really seem to serve a purpose. I know Cena was, uh, you know, building momentum for Fastlane, which he didn't appear on SmackDown, by the way. He merely appeared on Raw to hype up the SmackDown WWE Championship match on Sunday. That makes a lot of sense, I guess. But nonetheless, um, this was just a match. Just kind of there, really... Waste of time, so to speak. Um, didn't really need to happen, but it was what it was. And that was pretty much it from Raw. Um, the closing segment was also really, really good, with Roman Reigns interrupting Paul Heyman. I thought that was well done. Um, and further teasing uh, a physical confrontation between Roman and Brock Lesnar next week. We also had Bailey and Sasha Banks interacting on the show after Bailey beat Mandy Rose one-on-one. And uh, Sasha Banks saved Bailey from an absolution attack. And then uh, Sasha Banks reached out for a hug. Bailey denied it. Never thought I would see the day where Bailey would deny a hug, but she did on this show. I'm loving what they're doing with these two girls. I would hate for them to be placed in a four-way 
for the Raw Women's title at WrestleMania. They should be facing off one-on-one. They did the same thing last year with the four-way with Bailey Banks and Nia Jax. And instead of Alexa Bliss, it was Charlotte. They'd be doing the exact same match this year. No thanks. Do Bailey and Banks one-on-one, even if it means putting on the kickoff show. Probably would make the kickoff show, but it is what it is. And then you could do, um, you know, Asuka and Nia Jax for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. I would put that match in the kickoff show. They wouldn't do that. They would not put a non-title women's match on the main card and the title match in the kickoff show. That's what I would do, though, because the Bailey and Banks story they're telling right now is far more interesting than whatever they're going for with Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax. That's merely my opinion, though. That was Raw for Monday Night SmackDown. Not nearly as strong, though it was a decent go-home show. Charlotte Flair and Ruby Riot coming face-to-face. Jinder Mahal beating Randy Orton in a renewal of a rivalry I did not want to see, but we got anyway. Becky Lynch beating Carmella, and on Sunday it will be Becky and Naomi taking Carmella and Italia. For what reason? Just to fill TV time, and that's about it. Um, AJ Styles and Dolph Ziggler had a little promo battle before their match, which was really, really good. Then we got the main event, which was also involving Styles and Ziggler after Corbett, after uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn crashed the Styles-Ziggler match. It was a fatal five-way in the main event between Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, Dolph Ziggler, and Baron Corbin, basically giving away the entire main event for the Fastlane pay-per-view on Sunday, Sans John Cena. So that was uh, terrible booking, but the match itself was really good. Sami Zayn, in the end, pinning Kevin Owens and revealing afterwards that he was... Uh, he has been overlooked on SmackDown. He is the best in WWE today. Seemingly solidifying the split between him and Owens, but I thought it was really weird they would do that on a fucking go-home show for the pay-per-view. But this company must be desperate to really, uh, you know, uh, tell you to send the message that AJ Styles' title is in jeopardy in this fatal, not even fatal five-way, the six-pack challenge main event, which it really isn't, considering John Cena is booked for all Raws going forward. He wasn't even on SmackDown this week. So, John Cena is not winning. Dolph Ziggler and Corbin are not winning. Owens and Zayn are not winning. So, it's very obvious AJ is winning. They're trying to make it out to look like all the odds are stacked against them, which they are, but it's very obvious he is winning, as he should. But I thought it came at the expense of this view they're telling, the story they're telling with Sammy and Kevin, just to, uh, you know, do the reveal on the the show before the pay-per-view was a little weird. Why would he not do that on Sunday? You know, Khan and Kevin Owens to thinking they're on the same side, and then turn on him. These people are so stupid. Sasha and Bailey did the same thing. Sasha turned on Bailey before she eliminated Alexa Bliss. And it cost her the championship. Same thing with Rollins and Reigns. I think it was uh, Rollins who turned on Reigns, or maybe it was vice versa. But uh, before they could eliminate Braun Strowman, why would you do that? What a dumb thing to do. And it cost both those men the victory. I mean, I guess Rollins, uh, Roman went on to win. But it was still a really dumb thing to do. That was stupid. And Sammy was no different. But anyway, that leads us to Fastlane on Sunday. As I mentioned earlier, a show I'm not too excited for. But I'm hoping my low expectations will be exceeded. Uh, as I mentioned, Becky Lynch and Naomi taking on Carmella and Italian in a tag team match. That means absolutely nothing. And I would assume that the baby faces go over. There's really not much more that can be said other than that. Shinsuke Nakamura taking on Rusev, another match that has absolutely no meaning. If this, if they had built towards this a few weeks ago, maybe I would care more. They randomly put them together on Tuesday SmackDown with Rusev saying, I want you at Fastlane. And that was it. That was the only buildup for this match aside from Nakamura beating Aiden English on last week's SmackDown. 
Before that, neither guy had been on the show for like three weeks. Ridiculous. Why the fuck should I care? We already know Nakamura's going out of WrestleMania to face AJ Styles. Or whoever the WWE Champion is, even though it will be AJ Styles. We know he's not losing here. Rusev has not been able to win a match for the most part since, you know, fucking like 2015. So why would he win this match? He won't. Merely to, you know, to, just to kill TV time is what this is. Simply filler. That's all it is. The match could be fun. But as of right now, I give no shits because just, you know, you know what's going to happen and it has had no build. So why should I care? For the SmackDown Women's Championship, it's going to be Charlotte Flair defending against Ruby Riot. Should be a good match. I enjoyed the promo battle they had on Tuesday SmackDown. Um, but I do expect Charlotte to go over, retain her title, and then for Asuka to resurface, to surface and then uh, challenge Charlotte for her championship at WrestleMania. So I guess they could save that for SmackDown. But they gotta get to it soon because it's very obvious that Asuka is not facing Alexa Bliss. So they might as well just cut to the chase right now on Sunday with Asuka coming out afterwards. And then we get the fucking post-match stare down in front of the WrestleMania sign with both women pointing. And uh, we get that match at WrestleMania, which is the right direction to go in. The Usos versus The New Day for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Both teams were conspicuous by their absence on this week's SmackDown, but... They did air a video package in their place to promote the match on Sunday, which was very well done. They've had a great feud over the last number of years, dating back to 2016. They always work well together. I'm sure this match will be no exception. I did think that the Bludgeon Brothers will, you know, would involve themselves or attack the New Day and take their spots. If it's only going to be the Usos and New Day, I think the Usos are retaining. And the Usos should go on to WrestleMania to compete on the main card. Not only be at WrestleMania, but be on the main card. Not the fucking kickoff show again. They're king, They're the kings of the kickoff show. But they gotta be on the main card this year. In a three-way tag team title match between the Usos, New Day, and the Bludgeon Brothers. And I know I usually poop all over the, uh, you know, the multi-team tag team matches. But I like that match a lot. I really like Usos, New Day, and Bludgeon Brothers. Because you know they would go out there and kill it. Give them a ladder stipulation. That'd be an awesome match. So I do think it will be Usos retaining here against New Day. For the United States Championship... Uh, so as I mentioned, Jinder had beat Orton on SmackDown. How much sense does it make for the number one contender to be beat on the go-home show before the pay-per-view and then for that person who beat the number one contender to not be added to the match? It doesn't make any sense at all. I hate Jinder as much as you do. I think the guy adds absolutely nothing to this match. I think it'd be a worse-off match if they added Jinder, but from a storyline standpoint, it makes all the sense in the world to add Jinder to this match. Not only did it beat Orton on Tuesday, he'd also laid out Bobby Roode and Orton three weeks in a row. So why would you not go in that direction of adding Jinder to this match? Makes no sense. But if it is Bobby and Orton one-on-one, I want Bobby to win. I feel like he won't, which is why Orton won, because they're going to do an Orton-Jinder feud for the U.S. title. God save us all. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Orton wins there. I want Bobby to win. But I don't think Orton loses on SmackDown, then again on Sunday. So, you know, God save us if Orton wins the championship. I just don't see him losing again, though. I really want Bobby to retain. I don't think it's going to happen. So I think Orton wins the championship, maybe after Jinder interjects himself. And we get Orton and Jinder on an upcoming episode of SmackDown for the United States Championship. Again, like I said, God save us all. And then we get to the main event, the six-pack challenge for the WWE Championship. AJ Styles defending against Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, and John Cena. 
as I had said earlier, there's no question about this. AJ Styles is retaining his title. Kevin Owens and Sammy appear to be on a collision course toward a one-on-one match of Mania, which is cool. Should have happened two years ago, but two years later is fine too because I'm sure the match would be great. Um, I would keep them together. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they are splitting for Mania. Corbin and Ziggler are merely filler, and I think Cena should take the fall. If Cena's telling this story, that, oh, I need my road to WrestleMania and all this other stuff, he's, you know, he's done the um, he's done the favors for uh, Rollins in recent weeks. He lost to Braun. He got eliminated by Braun in Elimination Chamber. Uh, he should be pinned here as well. If AJ is going to lose to Cena on SmackDown, then AJ should get his win back at the pay-per-view. That's just the way that it works. I don't know if that's the way that's going to happen, but it would make sense that not only does John Cena lose, but he takes the losing fall to AJ Styles. That's the way that it should go down. So, not only is AJ my pick, but I do think AJ is going to pin Cena. I'm not completely confident in that pick with AJ pinning Cena, but either way, I think AJ walks out of Fastlane, still your WWE Champion, solidifying our WrestleMania WWE Championship match between AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura as it should be. So real quick, before we wrap it up here on WrestleRant Radio, we had the latest second round match in the Mixed Match Challenge Tournament on Tuesday. We had Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss beating Jimmy Uso and Naomi. Um, The match was fine enough, really wasn't anything too, too special. Um, Though the real thing worth watching for was Braun and Alexa Bliss. Uh, They have great chemistry, great, uh, great dichotomy there between the two. They had the same thing in their first round match where they called each other cute and all this other stuff. Kind of something similar in this match as well. They did emerge victorious and are going on to the next round. But uh, if it's not Miz and Asuka, they, these two should win the whole thing. And I would hope that once this show is over, that uh, Strowman and Alexa Bliss will be continue to be paired together for the foreseeable future because they work very, very well together as a unit. And I would love to see them continue to uh, thrive as an on-air couple um, moving forward. I don't think Buddy Murphy would be too happy about that, but... You know what, Braun and Alexa Bliss, in my opinion, are a cuter couple, but that's merely uh, my two cents. And then we get to 205 Live real quick from Tuesday night as well. The latest in the WWE Cruiserweight Championship Tournament. We got two more second-round matches, quarterfinal matches. Drew Gulak beating Mark Andrews in a very, very good match. Uh, I love the contrast of styles here. Mark Andrews, a high flyer, very chaotic, has a very frantic pace. And then you have Gulak, who is very methodical, and more recently, much more aggressive. So I thought the contrast of styles here was great, made for a really, really fun match. In the end, it was Gulak punching his ticket to the next round of the tournament, or the semifinals, to take on the winner of the next matchup between Mustafa Ali and Buddy Murphy in another quarterfinals matchup. Um, another really, really good match. What a surprise. Uh, I would go so far as to say that these two are among, if not the two, most underrated athletes in the entire company. Ali kind of flies under the radar. He's not my favorite cruiserweight, but the guy's really, really good. And he kind of flies under the radar because he is part of 205 Live. And 205 Live has not been a part of Raw recently, which I think is done by design because they won't be at the pay-per-views and they got the tournament going on right now. Then why would you put them on on Raw? And they don't really have any stories at the moment. But nonetheless, um, he had a great showing here. Buddy Murphy is also really, really good. He has shined more in his two appearances on 205 Live than he ever did in his five years in NXT. At least on TV. I hear a lot of complimentary things about the guy on live events facing Aleister Black and Ricochet and people like that. But it's not on TV. If it didn't happen on TV, it didn't matter. For the most part. Except it's, unless it's a title change. If it doesn't happen on TV, it doesn't matter. 
Uh, so he did lose here, but he looked great in defeat. Mustafa Ali is moving on to the quarterfinals to take on Drew Gulak. So the semifinals are set. It's going to be Mustafa Ali taking on Drew Gulak, which I don't think is taking place next week. It might be, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they didn't announce it, but it could be taking place in two weeks. I'm not sure yet. Next week, though, it is confirmed. We are getting Cedric Alexander versus Roderick Strong in the semifinals of the tourney, and that should be fucking awesome. Um, RJ and I got to see them face off at the NXT Boston house show back in November of 2016. Had undisputed the match of the night. Like, not even close. They killed it. Would love for that match to be included on, like, a DVD release at some point. I don't think it was even recorded by anyone in WWE, by anyone at ringside. But that was an awesome, awesome match. And I'm looking forward to that rematch. If they're allowed to go all out as they have been recently, you know, as was the case with this show, that should be an exceptional outing. And I cannot wait for it. Final note here. It was rumored this past week, uh, reported by PW Insider, that Cruiserweight Tag Team titles could be on the way after WrestleMania 34. And we got one step closer to that. In, uh, on the show this week with Akira Tozawa and uh, Hideo Itami forming an alliance at the behest of uh, GM Drake Maverick taking on two local athletes and winning. A fun little showcase for them. Um, but I like the idea of an Akira Tozawa, Hideo Tag Team, uh, Hideo Itami tag team. I think they work well together. I would love if Akira and Apollo Crews were put together as a tag team. They were at one point when they were both part of Titus Worldwide. They went nowhere and Akira was soon dropped from the group for whatever reason. But this is a nice consolation prize. Um, so that might be them planting the seeds for the division. And I'm not completely against it. I think less is more with the titles. There's like 10 titles currently in the company. Between, let's see, let's count right now. It's going to take me two hands, but let's see. Universal Championship, that's one. Two, the WWE title. Three, the United States Championship. Four, the Intercontinental Championship. Five, the Raw Women's title. Six, the SmackDown Women's title. Seven, the Raw Tag Team titles. Eight, the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Nine, the Cruiserweight Championship. Ten, the United Kingdom title. And possibly 11, with the Cruiserweight Tag Team titles. That is ridiculous. And that's not even counting the champions, uh, the, the champions in NXT currently. So, again, but it, they don't really have enough people to make that happen currently between those that left and those that are hurt. Um, so I don't know, even know how it would work with like 10 people on the roster, but they can maybe find a way to make it work. So we have, let's see, we have an Akira Tozawa and Hideo tag team. I keep on saying Hideo tag team, Hideo Tommy tag team, tongue twister. So we have that currently. We also have Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher. If they don't scrap that by the time Kendrick is back, that could be a nice tag team again, because they worked well together before Kendrick got hurt. So you have that. The obvious selection of the Lucha House Party with Kalisto, Grand Metallic, and Lince Dorado. So you have that as well. That's three tag teams right there. Um, I guess you can go back to Gulak and Tony Nese. I think Gulak is will be doing his own thing coming out of WrestleMania. They already faced off in the tournament. I mean, that you could still put them back together, but I would keep them apart. I guess you could do Tony Nese and like Noam Dar when he's clear to compete again. I don't know when he's going to be good to go, but you have that. Um, maybe Roddy and Cedric? If Cedric doesn't win the championship, I mean, they have a couple different options, but it could get old real, real fast if they don't add in more people to this division. You have Buddy Murphy. I don't think Wesley Blake is 205 
Um, if he was, you can reunite those two on the show. I wouldn't do that anyway. I think Buddy Murphy is way off, way better off on his own. The guy died a death in NXT with Wesley Blake as his tag team partner, and then he was, you know, completely fell off the face of the earth when he was put on his own when they broke up in 2016. But that's another option too. They want to call up Ricochet. They have Leo Rush in NXT. He's not really doing anything right now, so then call him up. Johnny Gargano um, is, I think, earmarked for a main roster call-up at some point. So I could see him getting the call-up soon after WrestleMania. I know he got fired from NXT um, following the loss to Andrade and Almas. You know, uh, about two weeks ago at this point, I think it was. Awesome match, by the way. So you have that. So that, to me, could mean that him and Tommaso face off in New Orleans. And then, you know, it's an unsanctioned match. So Gargano is not a member of the roster, but he wants one more match before he leaves with Ciampa. Whether he wins or loses, he's main roster bound no matter what, and he goes to 205 Live. Now, in the past, I'd be very against that. Like, why would you put this guy on 205 Live? He's one of the best baby faces in the world today. Why would you do that? Well, if it is indeed under the new management of Triple H, I trust the game. I trust based H to use this guy properly, as opposed to Raw or SmackDown. God forbid if the guy goes to the blue brand. He'd be buried as quickly as Mike Kanellis was. So I would hope that's not the case. So maybe we see Gargano join the roster, and he forms a tag team with uh, Leo Rush. But I would put him on his own. I think if... I could see Cedric Alexander. I think Cedric Alexander should win the championship. If it's not Roderick Strong, it should be should be um, Cedric Alexander. But if it's Drew Gulak, maybe you have um, you know Neville come back, which is you know I talked about last week, which would be great. And you could have Neville and Drew Gulak in a feud, or Cedric Alexander Neville, the heel Neville, versus Cedric Alexander as a babyface would be an awesome feud. That would be unreal, because the matches would be great. They had one match on 205 Live a little over a year ago, and it was great. So it would be awesome to see them clash at some point coming out of WrestleMania. I'm not saying it will happen, but it would be just you know, pure fantasy booking here. But yeah, going back to what I was saying before, I guess you could have Gargano and Drew Gulak for the title. There's there's a lot of different options there. They have a plethora of talent. I don't know if a tag team title is necessary right now. It's definitely not necessary. But if they want to make the division more interesting, they got to add more people. They definitely have to add more people in order to make that tag team work. Maybe they put the Bolly... I would definitely see the Bollywood boys, the, the Singh brothers, going to 205 Live, which they were originally. That was before they got over with Jinder, though. Um, they can go to 205 Live, become champions over there, and split away from Jinder. Although they do add more to Jinder's act, and they, they're more interesting. I mean, they're more interesting than Jinder is, but it would kind of suck for Jinder if they got taken away from him. Although one of them is currently hurt anyway. Uh, one of them has been hurt for a few weeks now. Um, but you have them. I don't know if there's any tag teams in NXT that would work. Maybe Oni Larkin and uh, Danny Burch. They could, they could you know, call them up for a uh, 205 Live tag team. So they have options. If they want to make this work, they can make it work. I'm still a little skeptical, but I thought it was an interesting idea nonetheless. And that basically does it, guys, for today's edition of Wrestle Rant Radio from March 8th, 2018. We'll cut it short a few minutes early today. Um, I do got to get going. It is snowing. It's been snowing the last couple of days. Thankfully, not too, too bad, but... The Northeast, between the rain on Friday, the snow this past week, it's been a fucking hellhole here in the last couple of weeks. Um, but I am excited for the weekend, though. Like I said, we got the Ring of Honor 15th, or 16th, rather, anniversary show on Friday night, tomorrow night. Fastlane on Sunday, then the road to WrestleMania rages on with, as I had said at the start of the show, 31 more days to go until WrestleMania, which I'm excited for. I think on paper, between you know what's currently advertised and what's likely between the mixed tag team match, AJ Nakamura, assuming AJ wins on Sunday, which I'm sure he will. 
AJ Nakamura, mixed tag team match. Brock and Roman, which they are successfully so far making more engaging than it was before. Thankfully, you know, due to the segments with Roman and Brock and Paul Heyman on Raw. So you got those three marquee matches. You have the three-way for the Intercontinental Championship, which I believe is all that's confirmed as of right now. But you could have the bar against, you know, Woken Matt and Bray, which would be a lot of fun. You could have the Usos versus the New Day and the Bludgeon Brothers. You could have Bailey and Banks, Asuka and, Nia, or Asuka and Charlotte, Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax. All in all, that's not a bad card. It's not a bad card. Raw, Raw's holding up their end of the bargain right now with their road to WrestleMania. SmackDown, they got some work to do before WrestleMania. Um, but, you know, so far, so decent. They could pull together a decent show on Sunday night, something that is a lot better than any of us expected it to be. Then SmackDown will hopefully be back on the right track and route to WrestleMania. That's all we can really hope for is an enjoyable event on Sunday. So we got that coming up, though. Like I had said, if you're not all that enthralled with the current SmackDown product and are not excited for Fastlane on Sunday, lest we forget, we got the 16th anniversary show from Ring of Honor tomorrow night, which is guaranteed to be good. I have not yet seen a bad Ring of Honor pay-per-view. Some are much better than others. Last year's 15th anniversary show, which I'm going to rewatch probably on the Honor Club service at some point in the next 24 hours, was great. That was an awesome show. So if it's half as good as that event was, then Friday's pay-per-view will also be a blockbuster. There's a lot to like about wrestling right now, guys. Always excited to break it down with you right here on WrestleRant Radio every single week. Speaking of which, if you didn't already know, check out the show every single Thursday on iTunes. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on Apple Podcast, and you get not only the new episodes every single Thursday, they go right to your mobile device. They get uploaded as soon as they publish it on Podbean. But you also get every archived episode ever. So if you want my thoughts on Battleground 2013 or my WrestleMania 31 predictions, they're all right here on iTunes. Easier than ever to listen to WrestleRant Radio. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and also rate and review the podcast. Your, your support is greatly appreciated. So with all that being said, guys, we will be back next Thursday with uh, a full review of Fastlane. More talk on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and everything else on the road to WrestleMania 34, which I am super, super, super pumped for. Uh, but before we call it a day, one last real quick plug. My social medias. Find me on Twitter. Follow me there at WrestleRant on Facebook as well at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews and also on YouTube at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews and also on NextDayWrestling.net you can also not only check out, like I said, full episodes of WrestleRant Radio, but also my full written reviews of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Main Event, uh, 205 Live, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, and anything else I watch, you know, from Ring of Honor, Impact, Lucha Underground, which is bound to be back at some point soon. So, again, like I said, guys, a lot to be excited about right now in the world of wrestling. Always pumped to be breaking it down right here on WrestleRant Radio, which we will be doing next Thursday right here on the show. Have a great one, guys. I'm Graham Jason Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road to WrestleMania. Do I step, do I step, do I